0: Is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show The Walking Dead? Hello there. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 578, recorded Monday, March the 28th, 2022. Welcome to the show, one and all. Jason, welcome to the show. How was your weekend?
1: Not so bad. Am I one or am I all? Uh, I'm going to say you're
0: one. Neither. I'm that other guy. You're the guy. Not too bad. You're the guy that shows up every week, watches some TV, and then hangs out with me to talk about it.
1: Sweet. That sounds uh, sounds accurate and nice. Yeah. Uh, My weekend was not so bad. How about you? I, you know,
0: my weekend was okay. Felt busy, had a lot going on. I think the most um, triumphant thing I did this weekend is I taught my dog how to walk downstairs. Oh, well, that's handy. Yeah, he didn't know before this weekend he could go upstairs, no problem. Well, I shouldn't say he didn't know. I have seen him go downstairs before, but it reminded me of, do you remember in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the instructions for learning how to fly are something like, It's the ability to throw yourself at the ground and miss. That's right, yeah. Well, I think going downstairs was a bit like that for him, because I saw him do it, but he only did it when he didn't think about it. As soon as he stood at the top of the stairs and he said, oh my God, I got to go down these stairs, he wouldn't do it. Yep. So I spent a lot of time on the weekend with treats, and I taught him how to go down the stairs. And now he's an expert stair descender.
1: He's a, an expert stair going downer.
0: Exactly. Exactly. But I'll, I will tell you, it's a double-edged sword because on one hand, he can go down the stairs, which is great. And on the other hand, he can go down the stairs, yeah. which means he can go anywhere he wants.
1: Yeah. No, there's, you know, teaching uh, any anybody, anything is a double-edged sword. Right.
0: Because they have more knowledge and they also have more knowledge.
1: That's, that's right.
0: Yeah. Well, anyways, ultimately, I think it's a net positive. It's nice that the dog can not go upstairs and then get stuck and whine and not be able to come down. So uh, yeah, anyways, so that was the most fun thing I did this weekend. And now we have to move on to other stuff like don't chew the rug. That seems to be a rather difficult thing to train him to stop doing.
1: Well, it's, it's, uh, and we talked about this briefly previously is, uh, is that it's easier to teach people, uh, to do something than it is to teach them to not do something. Correct. So yeah, it's, uh, you know, teaching the dog to go downstairs is great. Teaching the dog not to go downstairs, very difficult. Right. Exactly. Cause now he's got a taste for it. He's like, oh, yeah. I can go down
0: the stairs anytime I want.
1: Yeah. Freedom.
0: He, and he does. Yeah. He is funny, though. He kind of hops down the stairs because his legs are short and he's a little guy. And yep. he just sort of hops a stair at a time. It's quite adorable, actually. Fancy. All right. Well, we're not here to talk about my dog the whole time, although I feel like I could do that. We are here, of course, to talk about the Oscars. No, I'm just kidding. Ah. I don't want to. No. I don't want to talk about the Oscars right now. What a what a shit show that was. Uh, <laughs> um. Yeah. I watched it. I watched the whole incident live and Did you? You got you got to see it
1: live? I I didn't. I only heard about it on the internet.
0: No, I I was for some reason my kids wanted to watch the Oscars this year, so we all sat there and watched it and then the thing happened and everyone thought, "Well, this is a bit that's gone wrong," I think. I think maybe this is, you know, a yeah. joke that's not landing very well. And then it turns out it wasn't. And it yeah. kind of became really upsetting in a way actually, but if not upsetting, just generally stupid and weird. And uh, I did notice that Jeffrey Dean Morgan, to bring this back to The Walking Dead, tweeted out today something like, uh, I'm, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, um, I didn't get a chance to watch the Oscars last night. Did anything stupid happen?
1: <laughs> and I think the answer is yes. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes. My only complaint, really, uh, is that he should have been escorted from the building immediately. I think that's probably true, you know, just- At the very least, you are being asked to leave. Yeah. Please walk yourself out. Yeah. And he didn't, and he won an Oscar and he gave a speech. And, uh, yeah, that, that's, you know, uh, assault charges or not assault charges, whatever. That's up to Chris Rock, right? His personal feelings on that, uh, that, uh, but yeah, Will Smith, he should not have remained in the building.
0: No, I agree with you. I think he he should have been asked to leave, escorted out. Uh you just you just don't do that. Like there are so many better ways to handle the situation than uh walk up on stage and slap somebody in the face. Yep. And then scream obscenities also, you know, like
1: Yeah, it was the swearing that got me convinced that it wasn't a bit.
0: You're right. It, it wouldn't have been so vulgar if it if it if it was planned in any way. Uh, you wouldn't think, but I don't know. It was Pretty surprising and uh, honestly surprising from a guy like him, I thought. you. I mean, you think you know a person, but you don't know anybody, especially with celebrities, right? Yeah. So anyways, uh, let's move on. Let's talk about The Walking Dead, Jason. Sure. How do, you feel? how do you feel about that? Good? I feel good about that. All right. Well, we are going to talk about The Walking Dead season 11, episode 14. And the title, as read by some of our listeners, is this. The Rotten Corps. Hey, what do you want? Do you want to try this apple? No thanks. Well, why not?
1: Because it's rotten to the core.
0: What is your name, soldier? Sir, Sid Vicious, sir. Then you should be in the Johnny Rotten Corps. All right. Thank you so much, Matt and Frankie in Oklahoma City, who are becoming regular title readers. Also, Alex in Seattle, and Ian in Countess Thorpe, UK. Nice. Johnny Rotten in the... Johnny Rotten Corps.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, I was like, Johnny Rotten in the military? I'm not so sure, but then I got it eventually.
0: Sid Vicious in the Johnny Rotten Corps. Yeah. Very good. So the Rotten Core is the title of this episode, and I guess what they're getting at is that we are quickly digging deeper towards the Rotten core of the Commonwealth. Mm-hmm. So let's get into it. We begin the episode with the pile of dead bodies that have been pushed off of the roof by Toby. They're all kind of mangled and they start to wake up as zombies. Hooray. Yeah, that's what they do. Up on the roof, the troopers raise an antenna and Toby gets on the radio to talk with Lance. He tells Lance that the location is secured, uh, but they're searching for the guns and the supplies still. And Lance calls
1: these people rats that can't tell right from wrong. So let me talk about antennas for a second. Oh, of course. (laughs) So, uh, you know, Toby talking on the antenna is fine, fine, right? You can broadcast uh, on, I guess he's broadcasting on the antenna, but the other walkie-talkie that uh, Hornsby is using doesn't have a big fancy antenna. No. So uh, I'm a little bit, I'm not entirely convinced that uh, the antenna works both ways. So the antenna
0: is assisting, well, no, the antenna would be picking up the signal from Hornsby. It's not using, it's not, the antenna doesn't broadcast anything.
1: Oh, so it's the other way around. He'd be able to hear Hornsby, but not be able to talk to him.
0: Yeah, I guess so. But see, that's not what was implied in the show, I don't think, because he has this radio, um, Toby does, that's wired into something. Like, it's not... A wireless radio, if you notice.
1: No, but it's wired into the antenna.
0: They set up the antenna, right? Yeah. Okay. So it's wired into the antenna so that I guess that picks up the the signal and it just uses the wire. So. But the antenna work both ways. Now I'm confused. No, antennas don't broadcast. They receive, right? I don't know. Yeah, no, they they do. <laughs> That's how. Like, if I have a pair of rabbit ears on my roof, I can pick up TV stations. I can't broadcast my own TV station.
1: Well, you're not allowed to. Wow. But, okay. You know, if you have, if you look at the the CBC building, they have a big goddamn antenna on it, right? Yeah, the CN Tower is,
0: the, is a big goddamn antenna by
1: itself. Yeah, but then it's there to broadcast, not to receive, or both, right? Oh, good point. Like, so if the CBC has a big antenna then uh wouldn't that mean that they were trying to broadcast in a large area? Yeah, you're right. Okay, so maybe I'm maybe I shouldn't have brought this up at all. It's just like one guy has an antenna that's good enough for a conversation over a long distance. Seems like it. Somebody <laughs> somebody 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 tell me what's going on here.
0: Yeah. All we know is he set up an antenna and they had a conversation and it ultimately culminated with Lance calling the people rats that can't tell right from wrong yeah okay really disrespecting the people that live in this uh riverbend community but we kind of already knew that's how he felt yeah uh as they're talking though another trooper informs toby that there are two troopers down at the east exit uh and i don't mean down by the east exit like down by the bay i think he means down as in taken out Right, not where the watermelons grow. Correct. Uh, So we cut over to Maggie and her crew moving through the building. We hear lots of gunshots and screaming, and they make their way down a hall with their guns raised, and we go to the opening credits. When we come back, uh, we're at the Commonwealth, and Daryl is showing up for work one morning, I guess. Just before he goes in the building, Carol appears, and they chat briefly. They agree to have lunch later. And then inside... The, we're in sort of a, one of those uh, police detective offices where uh-huh. you see in movies like detectives hanging out at desks and like doing their desk paperwork yep. before they go out and investigate crimes and stuff like that. So that's that's where Daryl and Rosita start their day, it seems like. And Daryl's having a donut. He's having a donut. Like a good and, police officer. Yeah. She makes a joke about it.
1: Do you know where that, that, uh, uh, that stereotype came from? Mm,
0: I'm going to say dragnet.
1: Well, no, it's uh, from police officers. I forget when, like how oh. far back you have to go, but the uh, police officers uh, work in the night shift. When you were out in the city uh, in the middle of the night, they didn't have restaurants that were open in the 50s and 60s in the middle of the night. Yeah. The only places that were open were coffee shops. And the only things, the only food they had was donuts. Sure. So if a cop was working a night shift and they didn't bring their lunch for whatever reason, they forgot it, or it's not part of their habit, or what have you, the only thing they could eat was donuts. And coffee. It was the only food available. Coffee and donuts was the only food available for a police officer on night shift, uh, on their lunch hour. So when you saw somebody sitting down to have their lunch, it was a donut. And that's why police officers uh, got stuck with that. Uh, all they do is eat donuts. So it's not really their fault. It's absolutely not. If they had uh, proper restaurants open, as they do now, you could go to uh, you know all night restaurants all over the place, and you know yeah. they don't have to eat donuts. So they get that. They get that from them. Bad rap on the donuts. Absolutely. Yeah. Well,
0: Daryl's eaten one. Rosita makes a joke, uh, and then a uh, like a. Sergeant, maybe, comes out, someone higher ranked, and assigns them to Sector D for the day. So just then, Sebastian comes in, and he's kind of bragging about being really effective in front of the zombies, or the rotters, as he calls them. And he's like, hey, Dixon, you know, you've seen it. And Daryl gives him this great half-hearted thumbs up and sarcastic clap. I thought that was really hilarious.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was very disrespectful. (laughs) Yep,
0: totally. But... Not so much that Sebastian could do anything about it, right? Because technically he was agreeing with them. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it. Uh, so then they go outside on their way to Sector D and a couple other troopers come out and tell Rosita and Daryl that they've been suddenly reassigned due to a swarm outside the walls.
1: Yeah. It made, it made me wonder whether or not, uh, you know, where were these these guys in the chain of command? like if if uh the you know the shift the sergeant told me to go to sector D and then somebody else came out and said no forget that follow me we've been assigned somewhere else i'd be like yeah i'm going to go ahead and check yeah cuz that doesn't seem uh you know i don't really take orders from you so uh i should figure this out
0: i agree i i think that would have been a smart thing for them to do but i think the guys who came out um sort of said hey the boss said you know, just after you left the door, the boss said, no, wait a minute, we've got something else here. And, uh, she, she sent
1: me out to tell you. Yeah. And my five-year-old tries that on me all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mom said, it's <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. okay if I do this. Like, yep, that's no problem. Let's double check with mom when she comes upstairs. Can I eat No, the- no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. Can I eat
0: the whole bag of goldfish? Mom said it was fine.
1: <laughs> mom said it was fine if I had this lollipop. Yeah. Ah, uh, well, you know, that's all well and good, and I believe you and everything. Let's talk about this when your mom comes upstairs. Yeah. So this kind of thing, maybe I'm a little bit uh, hardwired now to not necessarily believe that this is the actual fact.
0: No, no, it, it makes sense. You want to hear it from the horse's mouth, you know, yeah. either the sergeant or, in your case, your wife.
1: Yeah, don't call my wife a horse. I didn't. I'll uh, have to come and slap you.
0: Oh, jeez. <laughs> That would not be the appropriate response, Jason.
1: Are you sure? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm learning it from TV that that might be be an appropriate response. Well, don't... I've learned a lot of strange things in the last
0: 24 hours. Okay. Well, I'm not going to ask what else, but uh, slapping, not the appropriate response. All right. So we go back to Maggie and Aaron uh, and everybody, they enter an apartment We can hear more shooting and screaming, and as they're looking around, somebody suddenly puts a gun to Maggie, and it's Annie. Turns out it's Annie. Yay. Elijah shows up behind her and puts his weapon up to Annie's neck, but of course it turns out this is all a big misunderstanding because Negan appears and introduces everybody.
1: So this, uh, okay, so it wasn't exactly a Mexican standoff, which I'm not sure is, is that racist? That's not racist. Right? I don't it's know. Just... I'm not even sure what a, what that is. Well, it's when everybody's pointing guns at everybody and nobody can shoot because everybody will die. Oh, okay. Right. So, okay. Uh, yeah, maybe I should just stop now. Okay. So maybe it's not a Mexican standoff. It seemed more of like a Mexican conga line because it, <laughs> it wasn't really everybody. It was just, it was like everybody in line uh, pointing guns at each other and nobody could do anything until Negan came and you know, settled things down.
0: Right. Negan showed up and told them to put their shit back in their pants.
1: And, zipped up and zip up. Yeah. In typical Negan fashion. Yeah. I'm su- actually surprised that he, uh, he said shit. You know, if you're just, uh, you know, I wouldn't have put it past him or the writers or the show for him to say, let's all put our dicks back in our pants and zip up. Actually,
0: you're, you're right about that. I'm, I, that almost feels more Negan, you know?
1: It does. I wonder then, what's going on here.
0: Well, but then he also, remember used used the term shitting pants, put on your shitting pants. Yeah. So it's not the first time he's used the term, but you're right. I could see, I kind of feel like Negan would walk up and say, let's everybody put our dicks back in our pants and yeah. Okay. I don't know. I mean, either way, he's, he's mixing it up a little bit with the cursing. Well, that's nice. It is nice. Um, Lydia is there, of course, and she is surprised to see him, wants to know what he's doing here. And he puts his hand on Annie and says that they live here. Oh, so, that's, nice. that's all we know for now. So Negan leads them through a hole in the back of the closet. And by hole, I mean like the wall's been knocked out and replaced with a curtain. So they go through there, which is hidden in the closet. They reunite with Gabe, who's in there. They ask about stealing the guns and Annie once again has to insist it wasn't them. She's getting upset, you know, having continually being asked this question. And they all agree that they have to get out of there. So Annie has this plan to split into teams, sweep each floor and then find a way to get out together. And they decide that Negan is going to stay there and protect the rest of the people. And Annie and Maggie are on a team uh, that they leave to go and search the rest of the building. And I thought there would be other teams, too but it seems like they're just the only team, Annie and Maggie. Sure. Why not? They're going to go and do it all themselves. Uh, We go back to Daryl and Rosita and the other two troopers. They're now on a hill overlooking a large house down in a valley surrounded by zombies. Sebastian shows up and he tells them that there's a stash of money amongst other valuables, mostly drugs. It sounds like in this house, And he wants it because his mother has cut him off. We learned that a few episodes ago,
1: right? Yep. His line of credit has been cut off.
0: Right. So he can't live the lifestyle that he wants. And he tells them to slime themselves up with guts and go down in there, walk through the crowd of zombies into the house and get it. Now, of course, Daryl and Rosita resist and Sebastian makes the mistake, I would say, of threatening their kids if they don't do it. That would be Judith and RJ and uh, little Coco. And of course, Daryl, he reacts poorly to this, Jason, and he puts a knife to Sebastian's neck. Yep. And says, you better not threaten our kids.
1: I'm surprised Daryl didn't uh, slit his throat right then and there, frankly.
0: I kind of wish he had, to be honest. Uh, this character is just infuriating most of the time. Um, but don't forget these other two troopers are there who are sort of on Sebastian's side and they've got their guns raised as well. So again, I think it's a situation where if Daryl slices that dude's neck, everybody dies.
1: Right. So it's another Canadian standoff.
0: A Canadian standoff. Right? I'm going to
1: appropriate it just for the sake of, uh, the potential for, uh, inappropriate comments that, uh, or, you know, something that's inappropriate. So if I internalize it to a Canadian standoff, I'm at the very least, uh, I know where I stand as far as uh, uh, inappropriate talk. You being Canadian and all, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, me being Canadian, I can say that. Exactly. Is it, uh, let me ask you
0: this question on a related note. We um, we have a thing up here called the Canadian tuxedo, which yeah. is when you wear jeans, jeans with a jean jacket. That's right. Yeah. And it's hilarious. If If it's acid wash, it's even better. Even better, yes. If someone who is not Canadian uses the term Canadian tuxedo, are you offended in any way? Uh, I am not because I'm Canadian. I'm not offended either, no.
1: Well, that's the thing is that if somebody said that, uh, uh, you know, if anything was Canadian uh, in a derogatory way, I'd I'd probably be inclined to agree. It's like, yeah, that makes sense. (laughs)
0: <laughs> probably, yeah. <laughs> if you think the Canadian tuxedo looks stupid, eh, you're probably right. <laughs> you're
1: probably right. It is dumb. But also Canadian and awesome. I've worn a Canadian tuxedo. Yeah, who hasn't? It's, it's been a long time. Of course. But uh, the the last time I wore a Canadian tuxedo was the, was the jean jacket I had in grade eight. And the jean jacket all over it had patches that said Poco Loco, which means a little bit crazy. They all said that? The, all the patches, all the patches on this jacket all said Poco Loco. Okay. I missed that jacket. It's too bad you still don't have it. It had so many pockets. You could get your son to wear it now. It'd be great. Well, it's long gone, grade eight kind of thing, but uh, I love that jean jacket. And I wore it with my jeans, so that was my Canadian tuxedo. I didn't know what a Canadian tuxedo was back then, but uh, I was a proud wearer of the Canadian tuxedo I'm gonna, back in the day.
0: I'm going to break it out. I have to go buy a jean jacket, but
1: I might do it. I think it's okay. worth it. It probably is. Do you right. have a, are you going to wear a jean shirt? Cause you could get a. Ooh, a, good idea. Yeah. Yeah. You you know, Three piece Canadian tuxedo. Now you're talking. Now
0: that's amazing. That's right. <laughs> Anyways, back to the episode. Um, we've got everybody pointing their guns at each other. Sebastian with a knife to his neck. And then he claims, whoa, 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 whoa. Who, nobody's talking about hurting kids. I'm just offering to make their life easier if you do this for me. So he's offering something to them, Jason. He's not trying to threaten that he will hurt them.
1: Well, the implication was there, right? Oh, yeah. It's like, okay, <laughs> if you don't go down there, uh, how are your kids doing? Yeah. You know, it, uh, the the thread was implied and then he's just obviously, you know, full of shit when he says, no, no, I was just trying to uh, make it into a nice thing. I love you. Right. <laughs> and if you get
0: me my money, everything will be Just hunky-dory.
1: Yeah, if I could have this lollipop, everything would be fine. I'm not threatening you at all. I think you're an amazing father. (laughs) Mummy said, I
0: can have the lollipop. That's right. Well, Rosita and Daryl reluctantly agree to the mission, so they put the stench coat on and they walk through the herd uh, towards the house. Now, Lucy in Newmarket UK, Jason writes in and says, I have a holy crap moment for the most recent episode. Was that the first time we have ever heard Daryl refer to Judith and RJ as his kids? Possibly my favorite moment so far on the series.
1: Yeah, well, as far as uh, Dickhead is concerned, there is—they are his kids. But yeah, I
0: like it. Yeah, me too. It's pretty
1: nice. He—I
0: mean—he is—he's uh, primary caregiver for them at this point. It seems like so.
1: He's yeah. looking out for them. It's like Batman and Robin. Is it? Uh, Robin? Robin's very young, so he was he was uh, Bat- uh, Bruce Wayne's ward. Uh-huh.
0: Ward. <laughs> we all need a ward. Actually, I yeah, don't know. <laughs> so uh,
1: it wasn't his father, but uh, he was his primary caregiver and his ward. Uh, and then uh, at night, they got dressed up in costumes, and uh, Batman took, took him out into extremely dangerous situations. Fought crime a basis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, great.
0: What was the term used in Game of Thrones? Was it ward? Uh, oh it was um for the aid. Um,
1: yeah, I know I know what you mean for uh yeah, I forget the term.
0: I don't know, maybe it'll come to me anyways. That was another one I thought was funny, but let's get back to it after a commercial break. we are now inside the house. Uh, they look around quickly, they find a big pool of fresh blood, and then in another room, they find the locked door to the panic room where the safe is that contains all the goodies so they kill a couple of zombies and suddenly someone knocks on the other side of this door turns out it's a woman named april she says she's the only one left and apparently 12 people were sent in before uh, she got locked in and the power went out and Rosita says they won't leave her there because she sounds very afraid. And Daryl goes to figure out how to turn the power back on. Yeah. So Daryl and Rosita are not the first team to have been sent into the he- this house to try and recover the money
1: and whatever else. So uh, let me give you some advice sure. when you build your panic room. Yeah. If you build a panic room where you require power in the building to be on and that power is controlled in the garage to get out... you have built your panic room incorrectly. It's more of a uh,
0: jail room, more of a uh, I'm going to die in here room.
1: So if you, yeah, if you have a panic room that can only be controlled from uh, an external power source, uh, you have done wrong. Okay. You need a manual way of uh, circumventing that. So some kind of key lock or even a big goddamn magnet because uh, that door obviously was closed by some kind of solenoid. Uh, and a magnet in the right place will trigger that solenoid to open. So uh, usually, any uh, any safe that is uh, shitty safe that is controlled by uh, a solenoid being opened, you can uh, you can open it with a magnet. You don't need the code. You just kind of stick a magnet in the spot.
0: So just keep oh, a, keep a magnet in the room with you, and
1: yeah, it triggers the solenoid like okay. those sentry safes that you see at uh, Home Depot and at uh, stables and stuff. Yeah, uh, that uh, require a keypad. Yeah, you can open those with a magnet, like. You don't need anything, you don't need a key, you don't need a code. It's actually quicker to open it with the magnet than it is to punch in the code. Uh, so uh, yeah, not, don't, don't use those. Not much of a safe, really.: No, it's more of a safe safe shaped uh, box to hold uh, various things. Yeah, like it's and the door is made out of metal, but the rest of it's mostly plastic, so you can you can cut that open with a fucking uh, skill saw. Great. Not a good safe. <laughs> Don't buy those safes. No.
0: Not buy those safes. are horrid. Right. They're what? Horrid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds pretty bad. All right. Well, we go back to Negan and Lydia and the rest of the people. She questions why Negan left without saying a word, and his answer is basically just, well, that's what everybody needed. And it, you know, the real answer is, because I didn't want to get murdered by Maggie, and I felt like going away on my own was the smart thing to do. Uh, but he reveals that he's married to Annie now. He shows his wedding ring. So in the Yay. weeks that have gone by, Negan has gotten married.
1: Yeah, that's not fast at all. No, not fast at all. But in the zombie apocalypse, it's not like you're going to be, you know, patient. No, you, I guess so. You meet so. somebody you like, you fucking get hitched.
0: What yeah. you do. Could be your last day on earth. You might as well speed it along. Yep. Uh, Aaron questions if Negan helped put any of those skulls on Ian's shelf, if you remember those from the last episode. Um, And then, you know, Negan's like, don't talk to us. You guys showed up here, you know, with this dude who's killing all of us now. So you're no better. But Gabe claims that the Commonwealth is in fact different. And Lydia says, no, no, no. I hope that was the case, but they just want to swallow up communities. And she compares them to the Whisperers, just wearing different masks.
1: Yeah, so Negan didn't answer the question. Did you notice? <laughs> well,
0: uh, no, that's true. He didn't directly answer the question, so he was probably involved in putting some of those skulls on that shelf.
1: I've, uh, I've, uh, I've started uh, understanding that if someone accuses you of something, you don't reply with reason and uh, excuses. You reply with righteous indignation. That's the correct response to being accused of something. Okay, change the subject as well. Yeah, you just—that's—that's <laughs> that's the way you do it. I'm starting to—I'm uh, starting to think that that's the uh, the appropriate response. And it seems to be that uh, mainly, if people are in tough situations, the uh, the way to get out of it is to be—you uh, know—is d- to turn the tables. Yeah, and no. uh, I've I've learned this lesson well from rewatching uh, Better Call Saul. Because, uh, Kim Wexler, that's how she responds to things is, uh, and she's fantastic at it. Whenever she gets, uh, whenever she gets into a corner, she replies with righteous indignation and she, uh, she nails it every time and gets people turned around.
0: I love that character so much. Yeah. She is so, she's the best part of that show. So good. Yeah. Like the, the, you know, Saul is in the title, but
1: she's the best part. I, I'm afraid. I'm afraid for her. I am too. Really, really afraid for her. Because she's not in Breaking Bad. I know. (laughs) And she's not with him uh, at the beginning of Better Call Saul when he runs away. I'm afraid for her, too. I'm afraid for her. more afraid for her than Negan, which uh, we'll get to in a minute.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, uh... After the conversation with uh, Lydia about comparing to the Whispers, Annie radios Negan and tells them to move because the soldiers are spread out. So it's a good time to go. Negan seems concerned and looks out the window and sees something. Cut to one of the troopers dragging little Herschel, Maggie's son, into the building and He radios Toby to say he found a kid hiding inside a truck outside. And as he's on the radio, Negan sneaks up and kills him with a crowbar.
1: Right in front of him, right? Like really like a crowbar to the face, Yeah, like a crowbar pointy bit to the face uh, of a living person. Like Mm -hmm. it's not like he killed a zombie in front of uh, Herschel. Uh, He killed a, a living, breathing human being with a crowbar to the face in front of a little kid pretty bad pretty bad not only that so that was one
0: thing i thought about on this scene the other thing is he hits him while the radio is engaged and broadcasting so the person on the other end of that radio who i think is toby like the trooper was reporting in right probably heard something happen or at the very least the guy just sort of stopped talking and fell down and he heard a thump so you'd think the person on the other end of that radio would have been suspicious a little bit of something going on and not just been like, ah, I guess he's fine and moved
1: on. Uh, yeah. You know, well, I don't know what happened, but it's a little, the radios are a bit weird in this too, because both, uh, uh the good guys and the bad guys have radios, right? And they you think that the, uh, they can't hear each other's transmissions. Do You think they're encrypted because they have, there's privacy codes, uh, in, uh, you know, handheld radios, uh, which are basically, there's, you know, 22 main channels. And then each of those channels have uh, certain sub channels, which are known as privacy codes, but they're not private. They're just, uh you know, there's just a lot of options. And you can click a button that just lets your fucking handheld radio scan through all the channels and privacy codes to pick up whatever the hell's going on. So my assumption is that everybody can hear what everybody else is talking about.
0: Yeah, it's a fair assumption, but it doesn't really seem like that's the case. They just sort of have their own channels and they stick to them and the good guys can't hear the bad guys and the bad guys can't hear the good guys. And that's that.
1: Yeah. Get off my channel, you dickheads. You're the bad guys. Go to your own bad guy channel. Go to the
0: bad guy channel. This is the good guy channel. Quit it. Yeah. All right. Well, Negan kills that dude and we go to a commercial break. When we come back, we are with Annie and Maggie in another apartment now. Um, Annie, Pulls something out of her pocket, takes a bite of it, and turns out that it's ginger. And this, re- and then she reveals to Maggie that she is 12 weeks pregnant with Negan's baby. Dun, dun, dun. My God, Negan is having a baby. Does that mean she's going to die? Is that what happened? Is that what? I don't know. Can they kill a pregnant lady? Oh, I don't know, man. Like, yes, but I think she has to give birth first so she's no longer a pregnant lady. Okay. I, I don't that. know. It's it's rough, but let's uh let's listen to what Audrey in New Jersey has to say. Hey Chris and Jason, it's Audrey from New Jersey. My holy crap moment for this week's episode was holy effing crap, could Annie be more bold? She's literally standing next to Maggie, munching on some ginger, like hee hee, yeah. Yeah, I know I know Negan killed your husband, but mm-hmm, I'm pregnant. Can you believe it? Ah, 12 weeks. I can't believe Maggie didn't turn around and just clock her across the face, to be honest. Um, that was crazy. Holy crap. I mean, to be fair, I think Maggie may have thought about it for a second.
1: Uh, yeah. No, it's an awful thing to do. She And she knows full well what Negan did, right? Because uh, I don't think she reveals it quite yet, but uh, she reveals that uh, you know Negan told her everything.
0: Yeah, well, they get Negan on the radio, right? And he comes on, he says he found Herschel. Maggie can hear this, grabs the radio. She wants to go back, of course, because she doesn't feel good about uh, Herschel being alone with Negan, even though there are other people around. But he says, no, stay with Annie. Negan claims that Herschel will be safe. And if anything bad happens to him, he says it'll have to happen to me first, which I I did think was a pretty good line. I'll be honest with you. You know, if, if Herschel's dead, if Herschel dies, it's because I'm already dead. I will fight to protect him.
1: And I for you know I've heard that line before and I'm trying to remember what movie and I was trying to remember when I first heard that uh, in this show is that I've heard that from a movie before it's like okay you uh you know make sure nothing happens to her cuz if anything happens to her I'm going to I'm going to be very upset at you and the answer is if anything happens to her it happened to me too right
0: yeah I don't remember yeah. I don't I don't know if I've heard that before it does kind of generally sound familiar though like in it's funny because on one hand, it sounds like the kind of thing that is written for a show. It doesn't sound like something people would say in
1: real life. Yeah. And I'm thinking The Bodyguard with Kevin Costner and- oh. uh uh, <laughs> uh, uh Whitney Houston. Yeah. I'm, that's what I'm thinking. That's what my brain is telling me, but I'm not entirely sure because I've only seen that movie once. Okay. And I'm sure I don't remember anything about it.
0: Well, that's one more time than I've seen it, so I'm not sure, but I would believe you if you told me that was it, but- Negan uses it here. I thought it was pretty good. Um, and it's Negan. So he's just saying, I'm going to take care of your son, even though I took care of his father all those years ago. Yep. Uh, now Annie and Maggie have their conversation about their feelings toward Negan, which is what you were referring
1: to a minute ago. Wait a minute. Oh my goodness. You know what could happen here that's not going to happen is that, uh, Negan killed Glenn when Maggie was pregnant with Herschel, right? Yes. Or wait, yes. I I think so. Okay. So in revenge, maybe Maggie could kill Negan before, uh, what's your name's baby is born? Well, Maggie could just kill Annie. Oh, but you can't kill a pregnant lady, right? No, but you got to kill the husband of the pregnant lady. So that's going to be, that could be Maggie's revenge. Again, if we didn't know about the spinoff show, that would be a possibility. Correct. So it's not going to happen. No. But that would be appropriate. But it would be a possibility.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, Annie, though, is talking about uh, him and saying she knows what he did. She says nobody has clean hands in this world, right? She claims Negan is trying to be better, hasn't forgotten what he did, and will, in fact, do whatever he can to protect Maggie's boy. Now, this conversation was... your stand like it was good i i I'm, I'm fine with it but it's kind of your standard walking dead we've all done bad things conversation and the question is what have you done lately you know like are yeah. are you still bad if you've done bad things in the past are you a bad person does it negate good things that you've done as well you know all these things weren't said out loud but this is your walking dead theme right here one of them anyways Um, and even though this was fine, you know, I thought these two actresses are great and it was a good, good scene. It's nothing new that we haven't heard before. Right.
1: Yeah. And you know, the fact that, uh, Negan told Annie, uh, what happened, it probably was a sanitized version. I killed Maggie's husband in front of her, you know? that is probably what he said uh you know and whereas the actual fact is yes that's absolutely true but i bashed his head with my uh you know with my baseball bat and then laughed about his eye popping out yeah and uh thought that it was the funniest thing alive yeah
0: yeah it's you know i i revelled in it right i yes i i outright you know murdered him and took joy in doing it is very different than you know the brakes failed on my car and i accidentally ran him over crossing the street right yes very very different so you're right who knows what he actually told her he could have he could have said i killed him and left it at that right yeah so who knows Uh, we cut back into where, you know, Negan and everybody are hiding and he goes to talk to Herschel, who's just sitting there on a bed. Herschel asks why his mom doesn't like him. And Negan says that something bad happened a long time ago. He, Herschel asks if Negan is a bad man and, you know, did you catch Negan's answer, Jason? He said, yes, I was a bad man. Yep. Not I am a bad man. I used to be a bad man. Yep. So then Negan turns his back for a second. Herschel takes out a gun, points it at Negan, having realized that it was, in fact, Negan who killed his father. Negan turns around. He admits to doing it straight to Herschel's face. And then he appeals to him that if he fires the gun, the bad people will know where they're hiding. And he says that the, you know, I might deserve to die for what I did, but these other people don't deserve something bad to happen to them if you pull that trigger yeah so Herschel thinks about it for a second and then lowers the gun and Lydia comes in and
1: takes it from him so and normally I would actually think that Negan's life was in danger except for that spinoff show that took the wind out of all of these sails. It's like okay, there's no he's got the plot device shield now he cannot die because I know. we know of that spin-off show and that's fucking annoying. yeah, I
0: totally agree with you because it, it had having not. That If we didn't have that information in the back of our head, like, I actually could see myself sitting there going, holy crap, a little boy is going to kill Negan, right? And, and yeah. in, in revenge. And, like, that would be horrifying and stuff like that. But, you know, The Walking Dead has done crazy shit over the years. Not as much lately, but they have. And in the final season, you never know what could happen except now we do. And yeah, it kind of takes the the, like you said, wind out of the sails or removes the stakes a little bit.
1: Yeah, there was no stakes in this, this whole scene, which I, uh, I did not appreciate. It's unfortunate. Now I, I still have some faith that
0: the show is going to surprise us in some way and they are going to be able to do something, you know, not necessarily with Negan and Herschel, but you know, as the season starts to wind down, there are going to be things that shock us and surprise us that we just didn't see coming. But it would have been nice, I think, to have that feeling, at least in this scene. And then if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But that's how, you know, that's the emotional roller coaster. They get all worried. And then, oh, there's some there's some reprieve for a second, you know? Yep. So too bad. Um, But Michael in Ozark, Missouri, wrote, holy crap, Negan telling Herschel he killed his father, then having to look at Lydia, whose mother he also killed. All the while, Maggie's off with his current wife. Awkward. <laughs> Thank you, Walking Dead, for giving us this conversation. <clears throat> Wasn't sure if they would deal with it directly. So, yeah, I mean, the two people in that room with Negan, he killed one of their father and her, her mother. Uh, yeah, he slept with her mother first, though. Well, yes, that makes it better. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think of that while watching it, though, to be honest. I, I forgot for some reason. I was so focused on the Herschel stuff that i'm like oh my god michael you're right lydia's standing there and she had a parent killed by negan as well yep all right well we go back over to daryl he enters the garage of the house and he finds some kind of rigged up generator system looked kind of weird he turns a switch to power it up and then tries to add a pair of pliers to some sort of connection to get the power
1: flowing well the the uh it was uh Uh, The breakers. It was uh, fuses. It was a fuse box that, you know, the fuses were blown and he was looking for other fuses. He didn't see any. So when in doubt, use pliers. You could replace a fuse with a pair of pliers? Yeah, you can replace a fuse with anything that's electrical. I mean, the whole point is that the the, the electricity passes through the fuse in case there's an overload, right? Right, right. Take the fuse out and wire the two things together. You got yourself some power. I guess so. With no safety whatsoever. Completes the
0: circuit. That's right.
1: Yeah. The old fuses that used to be able to unscrew from your fuse box before they had uh, breaker uh-huh. panels. Uh-huh. Yeah, you unscrew the fuse, you put a penny in, you screw in the old fuse. You're good to go. Oh, well, there you go. Glad we don't have those anymore. <laughs> yeah, no kidding.
0: <laughs> well, the lights are flashing on and off because it hasn't quite you know, connected. And all of a sudden, a bunch of zombies attack him. So in this very scary and flashy environment, For some reason, he strips off some of his armor
1: and fights back, managing to kill them all. Yeah, because armor is the the worst thing you could have on in a a fight. It's the worst thing. I do not. I'm in a fight with a bunch of zombies. Uh, I do not want to have this armor. So it's, it's getting in the way.
0: So really, yeah, is that it? Like it's cumbersome and it's getting in the way and he's better without it?
1: Uh, I guess so. I'm not sure. I, I, you know, you'd think that the armor was the right thing to have on at this time and that they designed the armor to be in combat with zombies because that's the primary purpose behind it. Mm -hmm. So I'm not really sure of exactly why stripping off the armor was the the right thing to do other than the symbolic uh, gesture of uh, losing his... (sighs) Well, losing his affiliation to the Commonwealth a little bit, right? Yes, conformity, something.
0: Yeah, they're making me wear this, but I don't need it. In fact, I'm better off without it. I like that. I like that. I didn't think of that, but I was just thinking, that's dumb. Keep it on. It's there for protection, but he doesn't. Yep. Anyways, after he kills all the zombies, he fiddles with the pliers some more, and he gets the power to stay on properly. So now that the power is on, Rosita enters the code to the panic room door, and- They go in, um, Daryl goes to the safe and starts crowbarring it open, but an alarm starts going off, which draws a bunch of walkers to the outer room. And so they're all kind of panicking, and Rosita smashes the alarm panel with her helmet until it silences.
1: Yeah, which is not how alarm systems work. But uh, the first thing they do after restoring power to the room uh, is uh, enter in the code, open the door, go in and close the door. It's like you dumbasses. The whole reason you were, she, this lady was stuck. April was stuck in this room was because she was in here with the door closed and the power went out. It's a good And point. we know the power is unreliable. So don't be an idiot. Don't close the door. Uh, first of all, uh, and then the alarm panel going off, uh, I have alarm system in my house. You had an alarm system in your house. It probably no longer works. Mine no longer works. Uh, but the way that the panel works is that the panel controls the actual alarm system, which is in the basement and where that horn is that blares when the alarm goes off. If the alarm was going off and I destroyed the control panel, it would not shut off the
0: alarm. I mean, that's kind of the purpose, right? Because when bad guys break into your house, if they destroy the alarm panel, you'll want the alarm to continue going off.
1: Yeah. And yeah. in fact, even having the horn near where the actual alarm controller is, is a bad idea because then when the alarm's going off, it's just like, well, I wonder where that is. And you go and find that and he's like, okay, the horn is right next to the controller. Deal with the controller or at least deal with the horn. But the controller will, uh, you know, potentially not call the alarm company. Uh, so the so guy, the guy who built just,
0: this panic room has really done a piss poor job all around.
1: And he put all the control panels at fucking higher than eye level. Like they're all like super high up in the in the air. I'm not sure exactly what the point of that was, but if I want to enter a code, I don't want to have to reach up to do it all the time. Maybe he guy's like super tall, like he's six foot eight or something and he He'd have to he'd have to be like seven foot three or something. Okay. Like that the it's like above eye level of every one of these characters. Like I know generally speaking actors tend to be on the short side. Right. But, you know, I'm sure that uh These panels are not at regular, regular height, like switch height. That's how high they should be at the the level of switches. Yeah. No, I
0: get it. The comfortable height for flicking or number entering.
1: And you can't get into a safe with a fucking crowbar and the conveniently placed sledgehammer because there was just one sitting on the table.
0: Well, yeah, I know there was just one sitting there. That's, that's funny. But, uh, I mean, you were saying earlier, the safes that you buy in Home Depot are garbage. Maybe this was like that. Going through the door is
1: bad. Like, yeah. if you're going through the door, you don't use a crowbar because that's where they put the steel. You know, going through the backside, that's where the, the where it's like, uh, you know, just kind of weird thin plating and mostly foam. Uh, but anyway, it uh, the way he got into this safe didn't make any sense because he pried the door open and it was pried open a little bit. Uh, I don't think you could do that with uh With a crowbar. All all I can think is maybe
0: one of the previous teams to come in here had already damaged it or partially opened it. And so it was already kind of broken and Daryl was able to just pry it open a little bit more. I don't, I don't know.
1: I don't know either, but it seemed a little bit odd. It did for
0: sure. But he gets it open enough. Uh, You can see the money inside. So they start filling a duffel bag and April's all panicky, wants them to hurry. And then they barricade the door with some furniture. Because zombies have shown up outside because of that alarm. After a commercial break, uh, we are still with them. They are going to gore up and walk out through the zombies. But suddenly they hear a bunch of shooting outside and somebody pounds on the door. Turns out it's Mercer and Carol who have come to rescue them. Hooray! Yeah, hooray. Carol says that Daryl didn't show up for lunch, so she went to get Mercer. So... Good thing they made that lunch date. Mm -hmm. Then he, uh, Mercer thinks they came to loot the house for money, but Rosita explains it was Sebastian who made them and threatened the kids. April corroborates this story, saying that she was sent in previously. So if Mercer didn't know before, he now knows that multiple people have been sent in here by Sebastian to uh, get money. And in fact, it sounds like on other money recovery missions too.
1: Yeah, he's on a money. Uh, treasure, treasure hunt, money, money hunt. Yeah. Money hunt.
0: (laughs) Uh, now to get out, they're walking through the zombies, trying to take it slow and easy. April is now wearing Rosita's bloody armor. And I got to admit the, the actress who played, uh, April was amazing at delivering a like big wide eyed, terrified look because as they're going out, she just puts that on her face and, it was fantastic. I thought she looked genuinely freaked out by what was going on. Uh, but she accidentally links arms or like a strap gets caught on a zombie and gets into trouble and she stabs it in the head. Now this causes the rest of them to have to fight their way out. So they start shooting and knifing zombies, but sadly April doesn't make it. She's eaten. And then Rosita puts a knife in her forehead.
1: Yep. So That's poor, the friendly thing to do. Poor April. Yeah. Yeah. You meet somebody new, they die, you stab them in the head it is it's the least you can do for them
0: so back with maggie and annie they're making their way down a hall in the building they hear somebody behind them begging for his life toby comes around a corner and kills the dude maggie and annie duck into a room as toby and his team goes by and he instructs his troopers to just kill everybody and if they don't find the guns in the next hour they're going to burn this place to the ground Fair enough. Because why not? If we can't find our guns, we might as well burn them up.
1: Yeah. That's what I do when I'm looking for something. You know, if I can't find, if I don't find it within 15 minutes, I'm burning this place to the ground. Absolutely. And luckily
0: for so far, you've found everything within 15 minutes. Luckily. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that keeps up for you. Me too. Well, um, as they pass, then Maggie comes out of the room again. She radios Gabe that she has a plan, but what are you always saying, Jason, if you want a plan to succeed- Don't tell the audience.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If you, uh, yeah, if you tell the, if, if you say what the plan is, it'll never work. Right. If you don't say what the plan is, it always works. She doesn't say what the plan is. Yeah.
0: It's going to work then. It's going to work. Yeah. Uh, Toby and his troopers kick down a door and now they are in the apartment that has the secret passage in the closet that we found out about earlier. And they're kind of standing around. Toby is, um you know, fingering his whiskey bottle there. Uh And he notices some footprints on the floor leading into the closet. So he very slowly goes to peer in and he's just about to find the uh, secret passage, but he's distracted by some gunfire and he hears Gabe yelling, go to the roof. So he doesn't find the secret passage. Now, the rest of our you know, gang, Negan, everybody are just on the other side of it waiting for him, but he never goes through because they turn around and run out. Toby gets up there on the roof. He finds Gabe and Aaron. Uh, he kind of corners them. He puts his gun up to them and then Elijah sneaks up behind him. And as a team, they manage to kill the other troops and... Now Toby is the only one left and he's outnumbered. And then he gets on the radio. Uh, yes, he gets on the radio to call his troops to the roof, but they are occupied with other combatants apparently. Yep. They're busy. Uh, I, they're just busy. Yeah, I guess. So Aaron grabs a gun, points it at Toby, doesn't really let him say much and he shoots him off the roof.
1: Yeah. But before he shoots him off the roof, uh, Toby says, uh, the wisdom to know, the, know the difference, right? Which is uh, an Alcoholics Anonymous thing. Uh, it is a, uh, you know, God grant me the uh, uh, the will to change the things I can. Uh, the, uh, I forget what this, the other part is, the acceptance to uh, to not change the things I can't. Right. And the wisdom to know the difference. Yes, I remember that now, yeah. So yeah, he, uh, he just says the wisdom to know the difference, right? So he, he recognizes that there's nothing he can do to fix this situation in that he's going to die. Yeah. And he's an alcoholic. Yes, he
0: certainly is. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't really put that together when, in, when he said that in the scene, but I, I like it. I'm glad you pointed that out. Yeah. But Aaron shoots him. And like I said, he shoots him off the roof. He falls off the roof backwards. He lands nearby on the ground. Uh, where the other zombies or the other bodies are that he threw off in the last episode. They are all zombies now. They get up and crawl over and eat him alive. And Aaron and Gabe watch from the roof. So, you know, I'm I'm not going to say poor Toby because he was an a-hole, but like the dude gets shot. He falls multiple stories off a roof. He's still alive. And to add insult to injury, he's eaten by zombies. That were essentially created by him earlier on by kicking people off the
1: roof. So, yep, yeah, he he and was he doesn't hard, he was hard to kill, but they got him. Yeah, and he didn't get his uh, didn't get a final drink either.
0: No, no, he didn't.
1: That's too bad. Uh, I don't feel that bad for him though. So, no, not
0: really. As we talked about last week, we all hope he died, and he did. S- super. In really the most horrible fashion. So. Uh, After a commercial break, we are back with Daryl, Rosita, Carol, and Mercer. They're arriving back on that hill where the two of Sebastian's troopers are waiting. And they want the money and say, straight to Mercer, we don't answer to you. And I guess that's because they answer to Sebastian. But I found that a little strange because these guys are Commonwealth troopers as far as I know, they all answer to Mercer, but I guess yep. not in this situation.
1: Uh, well, he, I'm not sure exactly, but uh, I assumed that if you were wearing uh, the white stormtrooper armor that you answered to Mercer. I did too. So these guys have gone rogue,
0: like this is a bit of a mutiny, sort of, and they're, they're following someone else now?
1: Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe they feel like they're uh, the pets of that asshole. Uh, and that they don't have to fall within the normal chain of command. Or I wonder. I wonder. I just thought of this. Maybe
0: they've been assigned specific like bodyguard duty to Sebastian, so he's kind of in charge of them. But you'd think they'd still have to answer to Mercer as the head of the military.
1: Well, they came out of the police station and they ordered uh, Rosita and Daryl to do something. So they're part of the. Oh yeah, uh, they're part of the the force. Yeah, but if they don't answer to Mercer, it doesn't doesn't make any sense. Uh, I I reject that. So I guess it's just like a mutiny.
0: They're like, you know what? We we're getting a cut of this money, and so we're not answering to you anymore. It must be uh, yeah. something like that. Well, Carol questions how many others were sent in, and as they're about to answer, Mercer kills them both. So they yeah. don't they don't answer to anybody anymore.
1: Nope,
0: they do not. So he he says to Daryl that they're going to have to pay Sebastian, otherwise he'll come after them, and that's not a fight they can win. But he also offers to carry the money through the gate back into the Commonwealth because they won't search him.
1: Do they so, search everybody going into the Commonwealth?
0: Good question.
1: Do they? What was, what was the plan here then? They were just going to, you know, uh, he sent them off to get the money and then goes back into the uh, into the compound and expected them to just kind of go in themselves and... Well,
0: I uh, I assume what, that searched? I assume that certain people just aren't searched. The head of the military is one; he has a certain sort of access level, and I guess Sebastian is another one, right? Maybe Sebastian was going to take the money, carry it in because he knows he can walk in and out. All he needed was these capable people to get it for him. Well, he he fucked off though; he wasn't there. Yeah, I'm not so what sure. What was the plan? I don't know. I I am not really sure. I have more questions about this, too. But first, what we see is back inside the police room at the Commonwealth, Sebastian comes in to collect his money. So they've made their way back already. We don't see any of that. He leaves a bit of cash for Daryl, says it's his cut. He wants to pay him. And Mercer is sitting right there and then informs Sebastian that the other two troopers didn't make it. So, I'm just overall a little bit confused, Jason, with Mercer's involvement in all of this and how everybody's involved in it, because it seems to me that Sebastian might not want Mercer to know about this mission for some of the reasons we've talked about, like he's got these two troopers that are are disobeying orders. If Sebastian thinks that Mercer is actually the head of law enforcement, wouldn't it be bad for him to know about this kind of unsanctioned mission and misuse of resources and stealing of money like it it seems like sebastian doesn't give a shit that mercer knows no he knows. does not
1: he's an entitled uh Son of a bitch who feels like he could do anything. Uh, and if any anybody says anything bad about anybody that he knows, he just feels free to just go up and slap them right across the face and get away with it scot-free without any repercussions. I don't know anybody that would feel that way, but- Such an entitled piece of shit that he could just feel the, like he could do that and do whatever the fuck he wants without any repercussions. It does not matter who knows or how many people are watching. It, Yeah. And that's what I
0: that's what I don't really understand about this whole situation. Like, why isn't Sebastian more concerned with who sees him doing these terrible things and uh, yeah. especially Mercer? So I I'm, I'm just not sure. And it, it muddies the waters for me a little bit in terms of what's Mercer doing? Whose side is he on? What you know, how does Sebastian fit into it all? And like so it it just. Felt all a little bit confusing to me.
1: It's all very complicated. This is Game of Thrones complicated is what's going on. Here. I don't know if it's
0: Game of Thrones complicated, but I get it. It's complicated for, for The Walking Dead. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so maybe that'll all become a little bit more clear, but it's also possible that, that there's a little more explanation within this episode that I just haven't really picked up on yet, although I did watch it two and a half times. And I say a half because the third time I watched it, I was kind of doing something else. But... I feel like I took in a lot on this episode and I still don't really get how everybody's involvement works here. So if anybody out there has some some tips or something I missed or we missed, by all means, um, email, call that in. Would love to hear from you. Now, we go back to Lance in his office. He is sitting there. He's trying to get Toby on the radio. But of course, Toby doesn't respond. Uh, Carol comes in and explains what Sebastian has been doing saying sending desperate people on these cash missions so again carol just walks in and like tells this to him and i'm thinking doesn't anyone want to keep this on the down low but they don't um and it turns out that lance already knows this because he says he wants to know if they got the money she says yes and he says finally <laughs> So, you know, I, again, I'm not sure if Carol already knew that, you know, uh, or what, but Lance knows all about this. And he says, sending people was an attempt to give them an opportunity to make good after being in bad situations. So they'd round up people who were sort of on the outs with the Commonwealth maybe, and give them an opportunity to, to make good.
1: Yeah, you know, if uh, if you have a bunch of homeless people that uh, you know that, that you know are on the on the skids and need some money, you uh, you give them each twenty bucks and uh, get them to fight each other. It's for the greater good, right? You're giving people money uh, that uh, may need it in order to uh, to do a little bit better.
0: Okay, sounds like what the governor (laughs) back at Woodbury was doing a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's the, you know, are you doing things, something that's good, or are you doing something that's evil and kind of couching it in something that uh, might be, might seem benevolent from a certain point of view?
0: Right, of course. Well, he says that the Commonwealth works because everybody plays their part, part, and if not, the system breaks down. Yeah. And I guess people that aren't playing their part, this is like their last chance to get their shit together and do something good and play their part. Uh, but it hasn't gone well until now.
1: That's like saying that people that, uh, you know, aren't, uh, that are having financial troubles, it's their own goddamn fault. They should, uh, you know, they should pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Uh, and I'm helping them do that by sending them into, you know, incredibly dangerous situations where they probably won't survive in order to get me my money. Yeah. Right. Makes, you know, it's their own fault, right? Their own fault makes sense. I say sense. sarcastically because fucking social systems are, are to blame rather than uh, individuals, mostly. Mostly, yeah.
0: Well, in the moment though, Carol agrees with him to his face uh, and then he says it's nice to talk to her because she sees the big picture. But of course,
1: as she turns to walk away, you can see her facial expression change. <laughs> yeah, you agree with, if if you don't like what somebody's saying and you want to kill them, You agree with what they're saying and you turn and walk away and then you come back and murder them. And and grimace as you're walking away. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, Well, um, back at Riverbend, they're cleaning the place up. Negan comes to talk to Herschel again and he says that they have unfinished business, which I guess they do. And he suggests that Herschel go back with his mom, rebuild their home, and in a few years, come find me and I promise you we'll settle this.
1: Yeah, which is exactly what happened with the bride in uh, Kill Bill. Yeah, that's right. It's exactly what she said. You know, at the, you know, if, in a few years when you grow up, you st- if you still feel raw, come and find me. We'll uh, we'll have it out. We'll have it out, guaranteed.
0: Uh, Maggie at that moment returns and wants to know what Negan said to Herschel, but he doesn't respond. He doesn't say anything. And then Aaron and Gabe come in They're not sure if they can return to the Commonwealth, but they agree that immediately they have to do something with all the Riverbend people. And uh, they're not sure what, but Gabe wonders who actually stole the weapons. If it wasn't them, how did this all get started? Who raided that uh, supply truck or whatever that uh, Lance had going?
1: Who took the cookies from the cookie jar?
0: Who took the cookies from the cookie jar? Was it you? It wasn't me. If it
1: wasn't you, then who?
0: Well, we go two weeks ago, we see on-screen title, and we are at the scene of the attacked convoy. The camera is panning across the area. We see dead troopers. There's a horse, you know, there's some debris around. There's one trooper who's not dead, who's crawling away, leaving a trail of blood. Somebody comes up behind this trooper, lifts up her head, slices her neck, camera pans up, and it's Leah, Daryl's former girlfriend.
1: (laughs) Well, that didn't last long. She wasn't gone for
0: very long. No, I knew she was coming back. I mean, I suspected she was coming back, but I thought it would be in the uh, third block of the season. I didn't think we'd get her back so soon. The third half? Yeah, the third half. That's right. And that's it. That is the episode. That is where we end things on this one. So did you have any feeling watching it? Who's this going to be, Jason? Who Who's who's the one who stole these guns?
1: I figured it'd be Negan.
0: Oh, really? Like sabotaging yeah. his, his own thing?
1: Uh, I'm not sure exactly, but I, I, I thought it was Negan.
0: Well, the funny thing is I didn't think it would be Leah, but Way back when uh, they were locked out of the panic room and we heard the we heard April's voice on the other side of the door, my first thought was, Oh, that sounds like Leah. I think that's Leah in there. Oh. And then the door opened and it wasn't. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I guess I guess I was right. Leah's not coming back until next season. But then they slipped this in at the end. So I had kind of gone, Oh, Leah's in this episode. Oh no, she's not. And then I forgot about it. And then there she is at the end. So they kind of got me there. Um but honestly, other than that, like I had no idea who that was going to be unless it was somebody that like Maggie who was sabotaging something. But I don't think that's even possible based on where everybody was. So, yeah, I really had no idea. I, I kind of was hoping it was Michonne. Oh, Friendly. my God. That would have been awesome. Do you imagine? See, that's the kind of thing they need to do is surprise us with that sort of thing. Bring her back without any warning. How excited would that have made you if it was her? It would be very cool. I think so. I think everyone would have loved that. Um, But instead, it's Leah, and I'm a little less excited. (laughs) That's all right. Sorry, Leah. (laughs) Um, So, overall, Jason, I think this episode was pretty solid, if uh, a little confusing at parts. But again, maybe there's more information to come. Um, And I'm glad Toby's gone.
1: Toby died. That's the important part.
0: Yeah, really. Totally. Any anything else any other thoughts you had on this one? I mean, yeah, I think you had a few nitpicks, but they're good ones.
1: Uh yeah, but not I guess this was I don't think I liked it as much as you did, but uh this was kind of the upper middle of the road kind of episode for me.
0: Upper middle of
1: the road, all right. Yeah, all so right. middle of the road, upper. It's it's like the Cunninghams on uh, uh, on Happy Days. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Kind of upper middle class. You know, it's not uh, they're not rich, they're not poor, they're kind of middle class, but they're kind of a w- little better off than the middle of the road middle class. So it's kind of like. Uh, <laughs> so I'm gonna go with the Cunninghams. Okay, good. That's your... I'm gonna rate things in TV families from now on. Uh, good. You may on have... a scale from uh Cosby's to um the Jetsons <laughs> the Jetsons <laughs> I'm curious about where
0: the um, uh, the family ties family fits in oh that's that's pretty good oh my uh, god what's their last name come on brain uh,
1: come on brain used to love that show I loved it so much yeah, uh, you know they had their problems. You know there was uh, pregnancy scares and some uh, Alex Keaton, the Keatons. Keaton. Um, uh, so Alex, because I remember Alex P. Keaton. Yeah. Had uh, he went through a methamphetamine episode? I think one time he was taking a bunch of pills to study better, more harder. Yeah, yeah. There's also the one where his uh,
0: his friend dies, right? And they did the whole grieving grieving over that episode.
1: Yeah, you see that kind of shit never would have happened to the Cunninghams. Right. Right. So, uh, you know, they I don't think they're as high up as the Cunninghams, but they're definitely not anywhere near the Jetsons because the Jetsons had it all, right? They had a, a robot made and uh, you could throw kids out of a spaceship to go to school. <laughs> <laughs> what else do you want? Really? Yeah.
0: I think, isn't there something like the year the Jetsons took place, we have now surpassed in real life?
1: Oh, I don't know. Or but- Or
0: we're close to
1: or something. I don't know. I'd have to check that. Well, here's something to blow your mind. There's probably, uh, there's a case to be made that the Jetsons happened before the Flintstones. They're in the same universe, but the Jetsons happened first. Because the fucking Flintstones are in the Stone Age, but they still got shit like TV and dishwashers. Like, they still kind of want to live the modern lifestyle, even though they only have primitive technology. Uh, and they've, uh, you know, dare I say it, genetically engineered dinosaurs in order to perform these menial tasks uh, instead of uh, using technology to do it. So, and the animals talked, right? They have actually had full-on uh, speaking parts, <laughs> all right, So I'm pretty sure the Hanna-Barbera, uh, the Jetsons and the Flintstones are in the same universe, but the Jetsons happened first. And then there's the Green Gazoo on Flintstones. I mean, he's some
0: little alien guy. How does he fit yep, into that, it all?
1: That's right. That's right.
0: Wow. All right. Well, we have to think on that a little bit, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. Anyways, there you have it, everyone. Uh, the Walking Dead season 11, episode 14 in the books. And of course, we've got our feedback show to do later this week. And then just two more episodes before Walking Dead goes on hiatus again. And uh, we're getting close. We are getting close.
1: After this one and the next one, we only have uh, a third of a season left. Only eight more. I know. Holy shit, man. All right. But
0: before we worry about that too much, it is time, of course, to talk about our weekly Patreon prize-a-palooza. Yeah, yeah. So, quick thank you to some new patrons this week. I want to extend a great thank you to Jamie R. and Teresa H., who went to patreon.com slash thetalkingdead and signed up to become patrons of the show. We so appreciate you guys and everybody and just everybody who listens to. Couldn't do this without you. But thanks to you guys for becoming patrons uh, this week. so our prize this week is just a reminder, an alpha belt buckle bottle opener that's kind of in the shape of a snake eating its own tail, infinity symbol, figure eight, whatever you want to call it. It's very cool, and uh, I'm looking forward to giving it away to someone. So Jason, yeah, how are we choosing the winner this week?
1: Well, this one kind of got out of hand, but, uh... So as I was talking to you on the pre-roll of today's call, we have, uh, we have this neighborhood cat that's coming to, that comes to visit every now and again, uh-huh. uh, we're, you know, kind of, it's, it's a cross between, uh, like a feral cat and a cat, neighborhood cat. It's very friendly, uh, and you know, is very affectionate, but freaks out when the TV's on, right? It doesn't know what the fuck's going on when the TV's on. So it's, it's kind of weird, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, cat is very friendly to people, but really is uncomfortable indoors. So we let this cat in, but I wanted the cat to choose somehow, right? And, you know, getting cats to choose anything uh, at random is, is kind of awkward. So I wanted them to play with something uh, in order to, uh, to do the, the choice and to grab something, but I couldn't figure out what. And it took me a long time until uh, it occurred to me that uh, I could use flies. Uh, you know, based on, uh, you know, there's lots of flies in The Walking Dead, especially at the beginning of this episode, There's a bunch of flies on those zombies. Yeah. So what I was thinking, so what I did was, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I went and I bought some uh, ground beef and then I just left it out for a long time. And I, I grew myself some maggots on this, uh, ground beef and they, they eventually hatched into flies, uh-huh. like uh, actually little flies. And I, you know, they were eating the ground beef and, uh, you know, I was doing this in the basement and it was, there's, you know, the flies started flying around. So what I did was I, I. I caught the flies and I tied little strings and pieces of paper on the flies. So they were all flying around with all these strings and little pieces of paper. And then they let the cat down into the basement to play with them uh, and to see what fly he he could catch. So eventually he caught a fly with uh, a piece of paper uh, and uh, the name on the paper was LEP.
0: That's amazing. That's amazing. That's a great way to get a cat to choose something like... You can't get a cat to look at something, right? If you say, "Hey, nope. look at that over there," it looks at your finger. You're not what you're pointing at, right? Yeah, they're they're very dumb. Sure, cute, but dumb. Uh, but I mean, f- get flies involved. Like I've seen cats jump and catch a fly in its mouth,
1: like in midair as it's flying. That's pretty impressive. It is pretty impressive. So the you know the the pieces of paper with the strings. Uh, I tried to use the lightest paper and string I could find so yeah. that they could continue to fly. Now, now to be fair. I'm not the kind of person that would hurt a fly. No. So, I caught all the flies afterwards, untied the strings, uh and let all the flies out and I left the uh, the ground beef on the back deck for them to uh finish it off. Finish it off. And, that's and that's nice. probably where the coyotes came from cuz we got a coyote problem tonight. The uh, <laughs> was, my wife saw a coyote in the backyard and she was afraid to let the uh this cat out of the house cuz it's nighttime and it's kind of a little bit cold and there's coyotes out there and coyotes eat cats. Yeah. So I'm not sure what's going on, if the cat's still in the house or what, but, uh, yeah, all the flies are outside. Uh, they're all doing their fly thing. Good, good. Yeah. But so, you, so you got a cat, then you yeah. got a bunch of flies. Maggots, then
0: flies. Yeah, oh, sorry. Maggots and then flies. And then you put it all outside and now you have a coyote problem. That's right. All right. Well, that's yeah, exciting.
1: All for, all for LEP.
0: Yeah. Well, Ellie has no problems at all because LEP is the winner of our Alpha Belt Buckle Bottle Opener. And, uh, she should be very happy about that. So shouldn't it have
1: been a beta belt buckle bottle opener? Well,
0: it would have been better (laughs) alpha beta, better bottle buckle
1: opener. I don't know. Ah, Tweedle beetles. Yeah. Those are good stuff.
0: Um, so anyways, uh, LEP, I'll be in touch by email and we'll figure out a way to get that out to you. Congrats once again. And just a reminder, everyone, if you want to get in on the action um, on the Patreon prize of Palooza, visit patreon.com slash the talking dead, sign up to be a patron and you will be included on all the remaining draws as long as you continue to be a patron and you have a pretty good chance of winning a prize. And we got some more good stuff coming up. I will announce the next one on our feedback show, which happens on Thursday. Super all right that's going to do it for this podcast everyone thank you so much for tuning in if you would like to get in touch with us which i highly recommend you do visit talkingdeadpodcast.com, click on send voicemail at the top and that will allow you to record a message that you can send to us the more voice messages we get the better love to hear from people and in your messages make sure you say your name and where you're from just as a reminder because it Again, super fun to hear from people all around the world.
1: Especially if you live off planet, that'd
0: be great. Yeah, yeah. Like this is uh, Maurice from Mars.
1: Yeah, you know, Maurice from Mars, because we all love Maurice from Mars. But if, you know, if you're a- an actual astronaut or cosmonaut on the International Space Station, they have email, right? So if you want to write in, let us know uh you know sure you could be from wherever if you're uh but if you're working on the uh the international space station and you want to e- you uh, you know send in a a comment tell us you're from the ISS
0: oh my god please do i i can't think of anything that would make my life more right now than getting an actual email from an actual astronaut on the ISS that listens to us
1: did you did you know that NASA has recently announced that they're uh, starting to think about uh uh, doing experimentation with uh, sex in space.
0: No, because the astronauts are not allowed to do that, right? But now suddenly they are.
1: Well, NASA's starting to think about it. It's like, okay, it's time. We got to start thinking about, uh, you know, doing some experiments. <laughs> and <laughs> and when I say
0: the astronauts are not allowed to do that, I'm pretty sure they
1: are. Oh but, yeah, you know. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you put anybody in a can for six months, they're going to be doing it like rabbits. Sure,
0: yeah. Well, that's exciting. And, but what would be most exciting for me is just to get an email from somebody on the International Space Station. So also good. <laughs> if you're up there, you know, yeah, send, send it If you have
1: time between sex sessions,
0: send us an email. <laughs> <laughs> Take a break from all the sex and send, up, send an email to
1: a podcast. I mean, if you're an astronaut and you're at the ISS and you're having sex as part of an experiment, are you getting paid to have sex? I mean, yes. You're getting paid every le- moment you're up there, technically. Is that legal? I mean, I guess it's, that's fine, right? As long as you have, uh, you know, consenting adults, you can do whatever you want, but are you allowed to pay for, pay for that kind of thing? I know if you're it, it's fine because then it's porn and that's perfectly legal. So as long as you film it, you're good. That's it's, it's in the name of science. It's probably being filmed. Oh yeah.
0: You know, I bet you everything is recorded on the International Space Station.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. So yeah, they they got it recorded. They, they fit under the, uh, the porn statutes. So. uh, They're all
0: good. (laughs) They're all
1: good. All right. Just my, my concern has been alleviated.
0: All right. Excellent. Well, astronauts, uh, welcome to the podcast as listeners and send us a message. It would be the uh, highlight of the 10 years of doing this. Maybe not the highlight, but it would be pretty awesome.
1: It'd be pretty cool. I would like it.
0: Yeah. That email, talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Astronauts and otherwise, please send in uh, your emails to us for our feedback show, thoughts and comments and whatever about this episode. And if you want to find us on Twitter, you can do that at Talking Dead. All right. Now we are done. Thank you so much for tuning in, everyone. Until later this week, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.